Hey friends, hope you're having a great day. Pastor Paul here. Listen, I'm preaching a sermon all about what to do when you feel burned out. When you're battling depression, anxiety, fear, just feelings of wanting to quit on life. Where do you go? And I'm looking through the story of Elijah the prophet. I wanted to come and talk to you before the sermon begins and just tell you, you're not alone. If you ever struggle with mental or emotional issues of just depression, discouragement, just feeling burned out, you're not alone. I've been there. In fact, I wrote a book all about this. And this book comes out January 9th. The book is called Mind Games. I tell my personal testimony, as well as the testimonies of so many others throughout scripture, throughout church history, and even in our church, of people who had to overcome depression, suicide, anxiety, uh, fear, trauma, anger, and how did they get through it, those addictions? How did they get through it? How did they experience victory mentally and emotionally? If you haven't pre-ordered the book, I just encourage you to go and do that. The link to pre-order the book is right there beneath the YouTube video in our description, or if you're listening to this message on podcast, or on our Victory app, you can go to victory.com and there's a link right there on the homepage to get the book today. If you uh, would rather listen to the book instead of read the book, you can get it on Audible. I actually read the book personally as an audio book, but I encourage you, this is an important topic, a topic that all of us face. And so as we get into the message today, I just wanna remind you, you're not alone, God is not finished with you, and you can have the victory over those mental and emotional struggles. Let's get right into the message today. When prophets run, a blueprint for burnout. If you have a Bible, go to 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings 19, yeah, we get excited about the Word of God. And we've been in a series called Prophets. And I love this series because we're looking at the Old Testament prophets that God spoke through and that God spoke to. So in verse one, it says, now King Ahab told his wife, Queen Jezebel, everything Elijah had done. Everybody say everything. So Elijah had spoken the word and turned off the rain with a prophetic word. Then he had spoken a prophetic word and uh, fire from heaven came down and then he took out all the false prophets. He literally put all the idols out of the land, killed all the false prophets. Then he spoke a prophetic word and the rain came back on. Like Elijah was a household name. He was the most famous prophet, man of God in the nation. And the whole nation was talking about how Elijah was the rainmaker. He was the man that brought the rain back to Israel. And so King Ahab says, this is, a, this is a bad dude. Like this dude is getting rid of all of our idols. King Ahab was a wicked king. And him and Jezebel were threatened by Elijah's spirit of revival. So he tells Jezebel, he says, listen, Elijah's gotten rid of all the false prophets. And he's bringing revival to the land. And Jezebel, when she hears what her husband tells her, She sends a messenger to Elijah. She doesn't even go to Elijah herself because she's threatened by Elijah, and that's important to take note of. But she sends a messenger to Elijah, and she says, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of the false prophets you just killed. In other words, Jezebel was telling Elijah, I'm coming for you and I'm going to cut your head off, and I'm going to destroy your ministry, and I'm going to assassinate you, and you better run. Now, Jezebel was a threatening voice, but Elijah was a powerful man. Elijah had a public ministry that everybody was talking about. So in this moment, you would think, like Elijah just outran the chariots of King Ahab from Mount Carmel. He ran 30 miles to Jezreel, 
He literally ran 30 miles in one hour. That's two minutes a mile without stopping. Like Elijah was on fire for God. He was full of momentum. He was in a supernatural state. He was literally speaking words and rain was coming down. Fire was coming down. He's running two minute miles. He's on fire. So this shouldn't bother him, but it does. One woman with one text message sends Elijah running for his life. Look in verse three. When Elijah heard what Jezebel said, he was afraid. This is the human side of a prophet. This is the human side of a mighty great man of God. And it says he was so afraid he ran for his life. He ran for his life. You can have a public ministry that's powerful, but battle privately with deep insecurity. You can look great on the outside and perform great with miracles in front of people, but if the inside is filled with fear and inadequacy, eventually it's gonna come bubbling up. I was talking to someone last night after church, our Saturday night service, and they said, I just wrote a paper for my senior paper at Oral Roberts University about how I believe that Christians don't struggle with mental issues. And I said, well, um, I hate to burst the bubble of that paper, but there's a lot of believers and a lot of mighty men and women of God who feared the Lord that struggled with mental and emotional issues. In fact, I just wrote a book called Mind Games where I literally say the opposite of what she was saying and I have scripture to back it up. And she said, it, actually, I'm thankful to hear that. She said, it makes me, I'm gonna go back and change my paper. And I said, oh, I'm sorry, you have to work on that. But she said, I didn't realize you could have Jesus in your heart but have depression in your mind. I said, well, that, like Oral Roberts actually shares about his own personal depression he walked through in one of his books. He talks about how when he felt the calling to start ORU, that he went through a season of deep rejection and pain from people who didn't believe it could be done and how he battled with depression. Billy Graham talks about this. Billy Graham, like the greatest preacher in our lifetime, talks about how he personally battled seasons of deep loneliness and depression. John Maxwell, who's come and spoken here and written a hundred books on leadership, one of the most successful life coaches out there, talks about his own personal depression. Smith Wigglesworth, a man who did amazing miracles during his time a hundred years ago, talks about his depression. Mother Teresa, she talks about going through seasons of a deep darkness that lasted almost 10 years while she was serving the lepers in Calcutta. So don't tell me that God can't use great people who struggle at times mentally or emotionally. I love that the Bible gives us a blueprint for burnout and it doesn't tell us that when we are mentally or emotionally overwhelmed that somehow God is done with us. That's one of the biggest myths and lies of mental and emotional issues that, that, that somehow God is done with you if you're struggling with it. No, 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 quite the opposite. God is close to the brokenhearted. God draws near when you're struggling with depression. God pursues you even when you're running from him. Like when Elijah goes running away from his purpose, God runs after him. We're gonna find God in the desert, in the wilderness, running after Elijah, chasing him down. There's no shadow he won't light up. No mountain he won't climb up. There's no lie he won't break down. No wall he won't kick down. It's the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. He'll leave 99 sheep to go and pursue one prophet that's struggling in burnout. 
Not just one person who's on the fence, but one pastor that just needs to be reminded, God still has a plan for you. God's not finished with your story. Even if you missed it, even if you messed up, God's not done with you. So Elijah finds himself. And I want to just pause and give you just a couple of thoughts to think about here. You can have Jesus in your heart, but Jezebel in your head. Why was Elijah running? Jezebel wasn't even physically in front of him when the threat came. But he allowed the words of Jezebel. Be careful who you let in your head. Be careful what you allow to take up space. Some of us are giving. We are more careful about making sure people take their shoes off when they walk in our house. Not letting people leave trash in our car. But then we'll go on Facebook and we'll just take trash and put it in our minds. We'll go on Instagram. We'll read the comments on YouTube. And we're just inviting people to take up space in our minds. And we got Jezebel in our head, but we got Jesus in our heart. It's possible to be a born-again believer and yet struggling with thoughts that aren't from God. You didn't lose your salvation, but you need to get your mind back. Secondly, you're not alone in your struggle. Elijah thinks he's, he's the only one, and so he starts running. And it says he left his servant there in verse 3. He left his servant, and he went a day's journey into the wilderness. And he comes to a broom bush, and he sits down under it, and he prays that he might die. So now Elijah has gone into a suicidal state. The mighty man of God, the same man that called fire down from heaven literally 24 hours before this, the same man that invited the rain to come back after three and a half years of a famine is now thinking about suicide. He's saying, God, I just want to die. I am done with ministry. I'm done being a man. I'm done doing this. I'm done with earth. Like I'm just burned out. And I love that God gives us the blueprint for burnout. You're not alone. You're not alone in your struggle. Your faith is not broken. Your faith is not broken. Elijah still believes that God is real. He's talking to God, but he's got Jezebel in his head. God is not finished with your story, even if you're running away from your purpose. God is going to meet you there. He's going to call you back, but he's going to lead you through a process, a journey to get your mind back. By the way, if you haven't ordered the book, and I'm only saying this because I really believe it's going to help minister to people. It's going to set people free, but Mind Games is a book I wrote all about depression, my own battle. The only reason I can preach on this with any authority is because I've been there. I've been in 1 Kings 19 in my own life, and I just encourage you. This is serious. Whether it's affecting you or your spouse or your son or your daughter or your mom or your father, right now, millions of people in our nation are battling depression. There are more people after COVID-19 battling depression than there's ever been in the history of, of the world. Scientists and doctors are concluding that the effects of the lockdowns and the government shutdowns and the virus and the vaccines caused more damage on mental and emotional health than the virus actually did physically to people. That the effects of all of it affected high schoolers, middle schoolers, elementary children, and we're, like, we're still trying to work our way through some of the trauma But I just want to encourage you, God is not finished with you. By the way, if a thought is brought by the enemy, then the solution that's formed in that thought is birthed from the flesh. So if Elijah is running with this thought saying, Jezebel's going to kill me, God's done with me, so now I've got to run away, his solution to his problem is not even a a spirit-filled solution. It's not even a solution God gave him. 
If you believe people are talking bad about you and the enemy's whispering, everybody's against you, and you pick up your phone and you start calling, what are you saying about me? Your solution is to call them, call them out. And they're like, we're not talking about you. But your paranoia has led you to come up with solutions that aren't even from God. Your assumptions about your spouse and your kids and people were now running with solutions that aren't even birthed from the spirit. They're birthed from thoughts that the enemy sent. Who sent this thought to Elijah? Jezebel, not God. And the mighty prophet who heard from the Lord about the rain and the fire has now ignored the Lord's voice and followed the voice of Jezebel into the wilderness. And God meets him there. God meets him there. How do I know if I'm being affected by a thought or a voice that's not from God? That's a good question, and I think that's where Elijah is at. This, this is a question we need to ask ourselves. Why am I feeling burned out right now? Why am I feeling overwhelmed? Why am I running? Why am I running from my purpose? I want to give you four effects of the Jezebel spirit, four signs that the Jezebel spirit is working against you right now. By the way, the Jezebel spirit is not like a seductive sexual spirit. It's not just a female, like uh, limited to a gender. The Jezebel spirit was in operation when Goliath challenged the Israelites. The Jezebel spirit was in operation when King Saul was hunting down David before he was the king. The Jezebel spirit was in operation during King Herod's time, trying to kill any baby that would be a threat to his future for Israel when Joseph and Mary had to run to Egypt. So let's talk about this Jezebel spirit. What is a sign that the Jezebel spirit is working against you? Number one, intimidation. Intimidation. This spirit is sent to intimidate its victims. So through intimidation, he'll try to manipulate facts. He'll try to manipulate stories. He'll try to accuse you. He'll bring accusation, manipulation to intimidate you out of your purpose. Elijah had just killed 850 false prophets, got rid of all the idols, but one woman with one message, one email sent him running for his life. Which, by the way, I don't think he was running for his life. Because to run for your life means you want to save your life. Like, I'm trying to escape someone to kill me. But while Elijah's running, he says, I want to die. He literally tells God, God, kill me before Jezebel kills me. In other words, Elijah wasn't running for his life. He was running from his life. I wonder if the man that you're thinking about is actually running from his life. Not running for his life. Intimidation sends people running and it, it, it puts people in a state of manipulation. Manipulation is to twist the facts. It's to twist the story. It's to, it's to get you to believe something that's not fully 100% true. And by twisting your thoughts, it captivates you into this place of fear. When the Israelites saw Goliath come at them and he said, who will challenge me? They went running and hiding in caves. The king of Israel, Saul himself, was hiding in a cave when Goliath challenged the Israelites. Then little David... 15-year-old David, going through puberty, pimples on his face, comes out there and he goes, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that challenges the armies of the living God? And his brothers go, you arrogant little kid, you cocky little kid, get in the caves with us. We're hiding from Goliath. He's bigger than us. He's too big for us to take out. David says, he's too big for us to miss. I got stones. I can take this guy down. I've taken down bears and lions, and this giant doesn't stand a chance against the God of Israel's armies. David had confidence. His confidence was not in himself. His confidence was in God. 
The Israelites are running from an enemy that God already conquered. Elijah is running from a woman who holds no power over his ministry. If Jezebel could have stopped Elijah by now, she would have. Remember, she's known about him for at least three and a half years. He's the one that turned the rain off and caused the famine. If Jezebel could have taken Elijah out, she would have. It's proof that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Any tongue that rises against you stands condemned. So why are we giving so much credit to the enemy? Why are we saying, I just, I, I can't, I, I can't go back. I, I can't step back into purpose. I can't, I can't be used by God. I, I just missed it. The enemy wants you to believe that failure is fatal. But God says failure is not final. Just because you had a fleshly moment doesn't mean God is done using you for his glory. Every person God used had fleshly moments except for Jesus. Every person struggled with insecurity. I think the Jezebel spirit tries to target men and women that deal with inadequacy and insecurity. She's coming. Number two, the spirit of Jezebel brings you into isolation. The enemy knows if he can get you isolated, you're a lot easier for him to take out. Right? Two is better than one, and a three-chord strand is not easily broken. Just as iron sharpens iron, so another man sharpens his friend. If the enemy can get you all alone in your thoughts, all alone in your depression, I'm the only one struggling with this. I'm the only one battling this. I'm all alone. The church won't understand. My family won't understand. And in isolation, we have hallucinations. We start seeing things that aren't real. We start believing things that aren't true. We start telling ourselves a story that's not even the reality of what's happening. Here, Elijah is isolated. He's all alone. He wanders off away from the church, away from his community, away from his servant, away from everything. By the way, when Elijah took off running, I want to show you a picture on the map. He had outran the chariots for 30 miles in one hour with, with confidence. But when he ran from Jezebel, he ran all the way down to the Sinai Peninsula, 400 miles away from his purpose. Elijah ran 400 miles down towards Egypt. I was just in Israel two weeks ago on a Holy Land tour with our church, and we were standing near Mount Carmel, and the tour guide said, this is where Elijah outran the chariots. I said, point to me where he ran when Jezebel threatened to him. He said, I can't point to it. It's not even in this country. I said, what? He said, Elijah was so afraid, he ran two countries away. He was down near the tip of the Sinai Peninsula across from Ethiopia. I said, what? He said, he was so afraid he ran much further and much faster in his fear than he did in his faith. Faith and fear both ask the same question, to believe in something that hasn't happened yet. Fear will send you 400 miles in the wrong direction. Faith will send you with courage towards Goliath. Number three, the spirit of Jezebel brings exhaustion. Paul, I'm just tired. I am tired of being a mom. I'm tired of being a dad. I'm tired of watching these kids. I'm tired of all the spankings I gotta give them. I am burned out on the whole thing. I'm burned out on life. And I think this spirit is messing with a lot of people right now. I can feel it. I can feel it. Exhaustion. By the way, just because you're exhausted doesn't mean you've lost your spiritual connection with God. Elijah was still connected to God in an exhausted state. You haven't lost your Christianity. You haven't lost your salvation. Maybe you've lost your sanity a little bit, but you're going to get it back. 
Elijah was there. David was there. Peter was there. I've been there. Billy Graham's been there. Oral Roberts has been there. Mother Teresa's been there. And probably someone else you highly respect. You don't know their whole story. Don't let the Instagram Christians fool you. We only post what we're proud of. But if you could have a behind-the-scenes picture of what everyone's walking through, you'd be surprised how many people are battling thoughts of fear, anxiety, depression, and discouragement. The enemy is in no hurry to destroy you if he can discourage you. If he can discourage you, he'll pull you away from your purpose. So here he is discouraging Elisha. Here's the fourth sign of the Jezebel spirit, depression. This is the one that leads to suicide. The ultimate act of depression is to, to end your life, to say, I'm done. And depression leads to people not caring about their future, not caring about their integrity, not caring about their family, not caring about their marriage, not caring about their legacy. And depression leads us to making irrational decisions. And we stop, we stop trusting that God can turn things around. So here Elijah is convinced that this is the end of his ministry. Here he is, he collapses under this bush and he says, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. God, just kill me, he says. Then he lays down under the bush and he falls asleep. And I love this, all at once an angel touches Elijah. God is not finished with you yet. Somebody say, touched by an angel. God does not touch the shoulder of Elijah and say, get back in church, you heathen. He doesn't say, memorize 10 scriptures and start quoting all the faith confessions you know. He doesn't say, I am so disappointed in you. You've lost your salvation and you need to get it back. No, no, no. God touches him and says, get up and eat. Y'all are like, I like that scripture. Let's end it on that one right there, Paul. Let's get up and go eat. Cracker Barrel is calling my name. <laughs> Honey pimento chicken sandwich at Chick-fil-A. Closed on Sundays, but I'm going to get it tomorrow. Come on, Jesus. But I love that God gives a practical solution to a spiritual issue. I think sometimes we miss this in Scripture, and I have a whole chapter about this in my book. Because the Bible gives us some very practical tools. I was interviewing a mental health expert in our church last year, Dr. Greg Jantz. And he said, one of the first things we do with new clients who come to seek help mentally or emotionally is we give them a food plan. We work with them because most people, when they're in a depressed state, they've either stopped eating and they start to, to, to become anorexic in some states and in some cases and, or bulimic and then he said, some people will go the opposite and they'll have binge eating. They'll just eat so much because they're overwhelmed and it's like stress eating, overeating. So he said, one of the first things we wanna do is help them get on a meal plan and we wanna get them a good breakfast and a good lunch. And I love that God comes to Elijah. He says, Elijah, you've been running, you've been exhausted, you've been depressed and you forgot to eat dinner last night. So I want you to get up and have a good meal. I want you to get up and sometimes all we need is a good meal and a good nap. Amen. Y'all are like, that's what I'm putting on my desk this week. A good meal and a good nap. Y'all are like, I can do that. I can apply that today. I can do that every day. That's one of my best disciplines right there. I'm self-controlled at sleeping and eating. <laughs> but let's stay here just for a moment because I think this is what trips people up. Watch this. It says that um, the angel puts the bread by his head. 
in verse 6. So the angel had bread baked over hot coals laying by his head. Laying right in the place where Jezebel was. The battle wasn't out here. It wasn't a physical battle. It was a mental battle. If you can win in here, you can win out there. The battle you're in right now is it's not with someone out here. You're in a mental and emotional battle. God can bring you into a blessed situation, but if you still have Jezebel in your head, you're gonna miss out on all the good things God's doing because you'll just be thinking about who rejected you, who threatened you, who's talking bad about you, who's saying things about, and, and we can be in a good season and be missing out on it because of who we've allowed in our head. So God puts the food right where the battle is, right next to Elijah's head. The battle is between the ears. Be careful who you let in your head. So he says, take it and eat it. So Elijah ate the bread and he drank the water and he went back to sleep. That's a good word right there. <laughs> he slept some more. <laughs> then God still wasn't done with practical answers. The Lord wakes him up again a second time in verse 7. says, get up and eat again. Y'all are like, amen. I want another meal. <laughs> he says, the journey is too much. You need food in your belly for the journey that's in front of you. And so then Elijah gets up, strengthened by the food, takes on Jezebel, brings revival, sees the fire of God. But the only problem is he doesn't. Strengthened by the food, he goes 400 miles in the wrong direction with every step telling himself the same story. I'm afraid, I'm ashamed, I'm embarrassed, I'm done, I'm burned out, I want to quit. And I don't know what to do. And he finds himself in a cave, 400 miles away from where he should have been. I think Jezebel knew if Elijah stays, if Elijah stays here, he's coming for me next. If Elijah stays planted in his purpose, he's going to bring revival to Israel. So I've got to get him to leave. I need to get him running for his life. I think the enemy knows if you stay, if you stay, you are a threat to the kingdom of darkness. So the enemy wants to get you out of your purpose. One email, one text message, one Facebook post, one something, one person's words to get you running for your life. Elijah's in a cave, and I'm all about a man cave, but this is not a man cave. I've been in the man cave before. It's fun, it's refreshing. You're watching NFL football game, eating chicken wings, drinking Sprite, Coca-Cola. That's my man cave. But Elijah's not there. Elijah's in a cave that I think I've been to before. It's a cave of listening to his own counsel. It's a cave of rehearsing his own assumptions. It's a cave of thinking about Jezebel's words. And the word of the Lord pursues Elijah in the cave. By the way, a cave, when you say something in a cave, it echoes, it bounces around. It's an echo chamber of your own thoughts. So God has to get in the middle of Elijah's thoughts. And he says this to him. And I'm going to invite Ashley to be in this illustration because I always use other people. But I want to use my wife today in this illustrated sermon. Can you be Elijah? So God comes to Elijah. Isaiah 30 says that you will hear his voice. You will hear his voice. He'll speak to you. 
you'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. This is the way. Elijah had been running from that voice. He had allowed other voices in his head. And the Lord comes to him in verse 10 and says, Elijah, what are you doing here? Verse 9, he says, what are you doing here? That's the question we need to ask ourselves when we're burned out. Whether it's in motherhood, fatherhood, at work, in ministry, in the church, we need to ask ourselves, what am I doing here? Why am I in, and I don't mean physically, I mean mentally and emotionally. It doesn't matter what you change on the outside. If you don't change the inside, nothing will be good enough. You can change your hair, you can change your car, you can change your house, you can change the state you live in, the job you work at, but if you got Jezebel in your head, she's coming with you everywhere you go. So what God was really saying to Elijah is, who made you run? Why are you running? What are you doing here, mentally and emotionally, driven by someone who has no power over your destiny? And Elijah starts talking to God. He says, I've been very zealous for the Lord Almighty. Notice that the first word is I, I. Anything that starts with I is not going to end good. <laughs> any sentence that starts, any path that starts with I, I, I is going to end in insecurity. It's going to end in inadequacy. And it's really going to end in idolatry. I, 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 I've been very zealous for the Lord. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars. They put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left. That's a lie, and he knows it. He's already talked to another prophet in the previous chapter who told him there's a hundred other prophets still alive that fear the Lord and are ready to bring revival with them. There's also 7,000 people from Israel who have not bowed down to Baal. He knows this. But when you tell yourself the same story over and over and over again, you start to believe a lie. Two people can go through the same situation and come out with different stories. And you start telling yourself something that's not even a reality. And you believe it. And you're convinced of it. And you're a prophet. And you got Jesus in your heart. But you got Jezebel in your head. And he says, they're going to kill me, God. By the way, he says, they. Look at the end of verse 10. They. Who is they? First, it was just Jezebel. He's created a whole group of people behind Jezebel now. They are talking about me. They are going to kill me. They are coming for me, Paul. Everybody say, who is they? Challenge that when you're burned out. Challenge the they that you're talking about. It's probably one guy on YouTube. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's probably just one person. And even they... They are not the ones that made you. They are not the ones that anointed you. They are not the ones who called you. So stop letting they disqualify you. Stop letting they break you away from your purpose. Stop letting they convince you you're not worthy of God's purpose or glory. So then God tells Elijah, get out of the cave. Everybody say, get out. He says, go out. Stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. Can I keep preaching for a minute? Okay. All right. So then a great and powerful wind tears through the mountains and Elijah sees it right in front of him, tears the mountains apart, shatters the rocks, but the Lord was not in the wind. 
Then the Lord sends an earthquake. And the earthquake was massive, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And the Lord began to speak. In verse 13, when Elijah heard the whisper, he pulled his cloak over his face and he stood at the mouth. He stood at the mouth of the cave. Now, I know this isn't what it means, but isn't it interesting that Scripture tells us the cave had a mouth? See, the cave will talk to you. The cave will convince you of hallucinations that aren't real. The cave is an echo chamber saying, you're done. You're finished. By the way, Jezebel is always louder than Jesus. So just know that the squeaky wheel always gets the attention. They're shouting loud. God's done with you. He can't use you. You're finished. You're the only one. And God says, get out of that mouth. Get out of the mouth of that cave. Come and start listening to a greater voice. And the Lord asks him, Elijah, what are you doing here? Now watch Elijah's response in verse 14. Elijah says, I have been very zealous for the Lord. Hold on. That's verse 10. That's what he said in verse 10. Go back to verse, go to verse 14. Is that verse 14? Okay, go to verse 10. Where's verse 10? Hold up, wait a minute. Am I seeing something? Is it the exact same thing? Elijah is stuck on the same story. He has been rehearsing the same line over and over and over. Are you telling me that God just brought an earthquake, a windstorm, and fire, and Elijah is still God just brought earth, wind, and fire, and Elijah is still singing his same old sad song. Somebody say, turn the page, Elijah. And that's my word to some of you today. Turn the page. You're stuck on what happened a year ago. You're stuck on what happened five years ago. Paul, you're stuck on what happened 14 years ago with your dad. Turn the page, bro. Turn the page. You are stuck in a cave of a self-pity party. We should be very suspicious with ourselves when we are constantly having a self-pity party. If it's always they and I'm the only one, we should challenge ourselves and go, hold up. This is not the way God, God does not lead me in a self-pity party. God does not lead me with fear. God does not lead me with insecurity. God does not lead me with assumptions and hallucinations and believing the worst and thinking everybody's against me. There are more for you than those against you. Stop having a pity party. So God says, Elijah, I love this. By the way, when we start the story, when we're carrying the narration of our story, we're in first person, I, 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 I. We need to switch to third person. We need to stop being the narrator of our own story and start letting God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Third, the Trinity, telling our story. I try to do story time every night with our kids, me and Ashley do. And sometimes I'll tell the kids, hey, you tell a story. And they go, no, 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 we want daddy to tell the story. Daddy always tells the story better. And I think we should do that with God. God, you're the author and the finisher of my faith. I want you to tell my story. I'm tired of Jezebel telling my story. I'm tired of me telling my own story. I want God to tell my, I want the Lord to speak. So the Lord speaks to Elijah. The Lord speaks to every mother in the room, every father in the room, every pastor watching online, every worship leader, 
every person that's burned out. Are you tired? Are you weary? Are you burned out on religion? Come and find a real rest. The Lord says to Elijah, go back. Go back. Go back to your purpose. Go back to those people. Go back. I'm not finished with you. I'm not done with your story. I'm not done with your anointing. You're still anointed. You're still anointed. And I want you to anoint the next one. And I want you to prepare the nation for revival. Get the future king ready. Get the next prophet ready. God was telling Elijah, I'm not finished with you yet. And he says, when you go back, don't tell yourself the same story you've been telling yourself. Go with a new story in your heart that the Lord is not done with Israel. Church, I want to tell you something today. Elijah finishes his story riding on horses into glory. His story doesn't end sad and depressing. His story ends literally on a chariot of horses riding into glory. By the way, spoiler alert, Jezebel's story ends with her being trampled by horses for the wickedness she's done. Hello. Elijah rides up on horses. Jezebel is trampled by horses. All I'm saying is that God has already taken care of the thing that you're worried about, the thing that's been stealing space in your mind and heart. The devil is defeated. The devil is defeated. Depression and suicide is defeated. He tramples it under his feet. The devil is under my feet. Stand to your feet all over this place. Some of us have been allowing Jezebel to be on top of our head. We've been allowing that spirit of intimidation, manipulation, accusation, shame, character assassination to rob us of stepping into our purpose. But I love that Elijah, once he hears from God, God never abandons him in his dark season. God draws close. God only whispers when he's close. If I started whispering without a microphone, and you wanted to hear what I had to say, you would have to leave your seat and get really close to my mouth. You'd have to get your ear really close. You'd have to lean in. I wonder if God is drawing his church to lean in when you're tired, to lean in when you're weary. If you don't interrupt your weariness with worship, it'll lead to burnout. But if in the middle of your weariness, like Grand Grand, you can say, I didn't feel like it, but I came to church. I didn't feel like it, but I lifted my hands. I didn't feel like it, but I lifted my eyes to where my help comes from. No wonder she's 99 and a half and she still has strength because those who wait upon the Lord, he shall renew their strength. Yes, young men stumble and fall, but they that wait upon the Lord, he shall mount up with wings like an eagle. He will run and not be weary. He will walk and not faint. Somebody say, get up. I want us just to pray right now. I want to pray for every person that's battling burnout. You're battling just maybe exhaustion, discouragement, just feeling overwhelmed a little bit. Maybe you're here today and you just, so many voices have been just messing with your mind. And you have Jesus in your heart, or maybe you're here today and you need to ask Jesus in your heart. But first, I just want to pray for those, you have Jesus in your heart. But there's been some voices in your head that are not his. There's been some thoughts in your head that you've been allowing to take up too much space, it's time to serve an eviction notice to Jezebel. 
It's time to say, get out of my head, Jezebel. You need to start telling her, get out, Jezebel. You have no room in my heart, no room in my mind. I belong to Jesus. I'm a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm no longer a slave to manipulation and intimidation. I'm no longer living in the foggy brain of depression and discouragement. Lord, I'm getting my strength back. I'm getting my brain back. I'm getting my heart back. I'm getting the clarity back in my mind. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, that's me, that's me, would you pray for me? I want you to raise your hand. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I'm coming to get Jezebel out of your mind today. I'm coming to get that discouraging voice to be silenced today. If you raised your hand or you wanted to raise your hand or you need prayer, just leave your seat. Come and join me at this altar and let's just turn this altar into a place of surrender to say, Lord, take over my mind. Lord, renew my mind. Wash me with the water of the word of God. Wash me with the blood of Jesus. Renew me, God. Forgive me of my sins. Lord, I repent where I missed it. But Lord, I am stepping into my purpose. I'm getting back up and I'm getting back into the calling, the assignment, God, that you have on my life. Let's just worship him all over this place. Come and join us at this altar if you need us. There's no shadow you won't light up. Mountain you won't climb. Coming after me There's no wall you won't kick down Lie you won't tear down Coming after me
Every voice I've listened to, it wasn't you. And I tune into your voice, Lord. Tune into your voice. I hear you speak. You love me, Lord. You're not done with me yet. My best days are right in front of me. And I'll see the victory. I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory For the battle belongs to you I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory Turn it around For the battle belongs to you I'm gonna than Jezebel. He's greater than any voice, any lie of the enemy, any thought from the devil, any destructive discouragement. God says, I'm greater than that. You have no rival, Lord. You are bigger than my problems. You are greater than my past, my present, my future. Lord, you reign. You reign. You reign. 
on the throne of my mind, on the throne of my heart, God. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. Just say his name, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Just pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I thank you that you are Lord and Savior. Jesus, you are greater than Jezebel. So, Jesus, I surrender to you. Renew my mind. Get rid of every thought, every voice, every lie of the enemy that's not from you. Renew my mind. Renew my heart. I put my trust in you. In you I live. In you I move. In you I find my life. So Lord, I'm trusting in you. Thank you, Jesus, for setting me free from every lie of the enemy. Depression, you've got to go. Anxiety, you've got to go. Paranoia, fear, you got to go. I belong to Jesus. I am not a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I repent of my sins. I receive your forgiveness. I am saved by the blood of Jesus. I'm redeemed and my future is bright. My best days are still in front of me and I will see the victory. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I pray that message ministered to you, encouraged you, and reminded you, you can have victory through Jesus. Listen, we got tons of messages just like this one and many more topics that I believe would speak life to you right on our Victory app. If you haven't downloaded the app, make sure you do it today. Also, hit subscribe on YouTube. If you haven't subscribed to our channel, messages are constantly coming up on here. Different interviews I do with different pastors, worship music that we put on here. So make sure you hit subscribe or on our podcast. We're always uploading new seasons, new episodes from different messages, different interviews, as well as our Best Days series when my brother John and Arvin get together and just speak words of encouragement. So again, make sure you check out those three platforms, the app, the podcast, our YouTube channel. And if you haven't pre-ordered my book, Mind Games, go and do that today. You can find a link for that on our website at victory.com. It's a book all about winning mentally and emotionally, the victory that God has for you to walk out. By the way, if you can win on the inside, you can win on the outside. Again, we love you so much. God bless you. You've got the victory.